your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Ben Kogut. He's the CEO of Rooster Equity and uh, 16 years of experience in commercial real estate as an investor, developer, syndicator, advisor, uh, MBA in entrepreneurship. Uh, he's the author as well, which you'll hear him mention. Uh, he lives in Austin, Texas, and he's an expert in triple net uh, real estate. And he's going to dive into that topic today amongst some strategies that you've probably not heard of before, I bet. Uh, but also, uh, I'm just introducing him to you. Uh, again, he's been on the show a long time ago, uh, but uh, wanted to bring him back just to say, hey, he's going to be helping host a few of the shows. So uh, he'll be a co-host on a number of episodes coming up and wanted you to hear it uh, first from me. So you're not surprised at that time. But you're going to learn a lot from him today about uh, triple net and these strategies. Uh, have a blessed day, Ben. Welcome back to the show. Honored to dive in and and have another conversation with you and catch up. Whitney, this is fantastic. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, you know, looking forward to it. You know, I know you have become an expert in this uh, triple net space. Uh, that uh, you know, I am not an expert in, by the way. <laughs> I don't care to say it. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to learning myself uh, and I know many listeners are in that space, many investors that are listening as well. I love investing in that space. So uh, I know that you have uh, even some some new strategies or different strategies that we're going to talk about today that I know are going to pique their interest. But uh, before we do, why don't you give us an update uh, you know, on, on your focus right now uh, and maybe even highlight just triple net in general for some of the newer listeners as well. Yeah, sure. So I've been uh, in commercial real estate since 2004, been focused on triple net investing, started as a broker and then now as a syndicator. Uh, the last uh, four or five years of uh, raising money and just buying cash flowing triple net properties. So what is a triple net property? Um, think of in your neighborhood, you might find a um, a Walgreens or a McDonald's or a Bank of America. These are typically properties that have a triple net lease. What is a triple net lease? It's the net, net, net of the taxes, the insurance, and the maintenance. All these are expenses that are passed through to the tenant. So real simply, it you know it, we don't have to worry about what those expenses are because they're the responsibility of the tenant. And so that gives us uh, quite a bit of stability and predictability of what those cash flows are going to look like. So what's the uh, the bigger the risk, right, in, in this type of asset class that maybe an investor should be concerned about? So what is the risk? So the risk is dependent on the tenant and the lease terms. So the tenant, is, what we specialize in are high credit tenants. So think of the name brand types of tenants that uh, you can rely on. They're going to pay the rent. Um, it, there's riskier types of deals where maybe there's a non-credit tenant and maybe something happens and they're not able to actually pay the rent. That could be a problem. Uh, there's other problems with, uh, renewals. If the tenant isn't certain, if we're not certain that the tenant is going to renew, you could be stuck with a vacant building just like, you know, apartment building, you, you might lose a tenant here and there. So, but with commercial real estate, triple net, it takes a lot more money and time to be able to replace those types of tenants. So some people call these types of investments a bond with bricks. 
that's a pretty commonly known uh, jargon with what we're doing. And um, yeah, we're looking for just like stable cash flow, predictable uh, tenants who you know are very happy in their locations. And we're looking for sellers who are motivated to sell for reasons that are typically unrelated to the assets. Give us some, maybe some examples of your like uh, prime tenants that you're that you're looking for, and why. So let's see here. So um, I'll give you an example. We're looking at a caliber collision as an example. Uh, multi-billion dollar company. Uh, I don't even know how many hundreds, if not thousands of locations they have around the country. Um, it's a need for better or worse. There's always a need for caliber collision. And so I'll give you an example. So we're, we're, we're under contract to buy a caliber collision that has about two years left on their lease. And so because, you know, these leases are usually five, 10, 15 years long, because there's only two years left on the lease, that adds some risk, some perceived risk to this deal. And so therefore we're able to get it at a more attractive cap rate. And so with that, we have uh, relationships with people that are within the caliber, caliber collision business. And so we leverage our relationships and we ask them um, basically straight up like, hey, are you guys going to be staying in this location? Are you happy? If not, is there something that would make you happy? And basically, before we actually close on this project, we actually get non-public information that gives us the certainty that they are happy at this location. They're going to extend their lease when the option period comes up, which typically has a bump in rent somewhere between 10 and 15% increase in rents. And, um, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere. So we're able to buy, we're able to basically hedge our bets, buy something at a discount, wait a couple of years for their rent to increase, and then continue to benefit from that increase in rent. Or we can cast it out on the market at a higher rent with a longer term lease and there's a huge, there's still a huge market uh, of investors who are looking for that. So that that's just one little example. Yeah, no, that's great. That's helpful to think through, and I think that goes right into probably some of the strategies that uh, we were going to discuss as well, or, or uh, you were going to highlight. Uh, but uh, why don't you do that now? Just talk through some of the strategies that, uh, uh, and let's dive in. So that was one strategy. Another strategy within the triple net um, niche is either preferred equity or just simply being a partner with a tenant. And so what I'm working on as an example is a car wash chain uh, based in Colorado. Uh, they're about a 50 plus million dollar uh, you know, worth of a company. And so they are building and expanding their car wash chain and they are looking, let's just, we'll round some numbers here. Like if the building... Uh, to build a car wash is, let's say, $5 million. Three of that would be from debt, so borrowing money from a bank. And $2 million of that would be equity. And so they're happy remaining an owner in the project, but they don't want to put up an entire $2 million of their money to do so. And so that's where we'll come in, is we'll come in, we'll uh, invest, let's say, a million of it. So we'll become partners with the tenant in owning the real estate. And then, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll pay us a nice return for being a partner in the deal. We'll cash flow it for about a year. 
So the investors will get monthly distributions um, right away. And then about a year in, we're going to look and, and reevaluate how is this location doing? Can this tenant afford to pay more rent on this building? And oftentimes the answer is yes. And so then we will actually tear up the lease, write a new lease, a new 15-year lease on the building. And then with that, ideally it's a higher rent. We're not going to, the rent's not going to go down. It's only going to go up. And then we can cast it out on the market as a car wash with a 15-year lease um, at a you know reasonable rent. And then uh, that at that point is when all the investors will get, you know, once the deal sells, everyone will get their money back. And, uh, you know, hopefully we high five and, and get some upside on that deal as well. Speak to, uh, you know, the, I mean, I, I assume the, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, you have a lease uh, and then you, you've, you've checked with this tenant, like we already talked about, you have some insight there typically. Uh, and then, you know, obviously you're going to rip that, rip it up and, and raise the rent. Uh, you know, what's the likelihood of them saying, hey, sorry, we're going to go somewhere else. Well, they're partners in the deal with us. They personally sign on the debt and they have roughly a million dollars of uh, equity in the project. So uh, I would say very, very slim to no, yeah. no chance that they're going to walk away. Um, you know, there, there's always risk, um, but this, you know, we're not afraid of risk. It's just a matter of what is the chances of this risk? And yeah. so yeah, you're not wrong to ask the question, but uh, the answer is very, very, very slim chance. Speak to building the relationship with a tenant like that. I mean, you talked about the the uh, collision centers, caliber collisions, like, uh, and maybe there's other groups, you know, or uh, you know that you all have done that with. How do you how do you go about doing something like that? You know, relationships are just good old fashioned. You know, long term communicating, adding value, uh, finding ways to to solve their problems. You know, in in the car wash case. Um, they're looking for a, a creative solution for, for a partner to come and hold hands with them. And, and, you know, we've, we've built since relationship going to dinners, I mean, just old fashioned way, just, you know, getting yeah. to know each other on a personal level is, is really, uh, the way that I do it. I don't really know. Many yeah, other no, ways I was thinking about it. like the caliber collision, like it's a pretty big, uh, organization, right. And, you know, I was trying to think, you know, how you'd get to talk to the decision maker of that location, you know, uh, you know, how, how you kind of get that insight? Um, you know, just going to a lot of ICSE conferences, um, you know, some, some people have bounced from company to company and, and it's just maintaining relationships is just uh one-on-one -on -one going to dinners and making sure that we do what we say we're going to do at all times. And, and that's really just been the secret sauce here. Our, you know, uh, you know, our speak to car washes uh, uh, specifically, maybe to investors who aren't, as familiar with with those uh, with that type of investment specifically, uh, you know, what are some do's and don'ts maybe for the passive investor or things they should know to ask about uh, that you wouldn't typically know? Maybe they're used to investing in a large warehouse, or, right, or something like that. But I mean, the car wash, you know, uh, is going to operate maybe a little differently. Yeah, great question. A uh, car wash is unique in the sense that it's both a business and real estate all in one. And so what I like to look for most importantly is in the business and look at what the unit economics of that business are. In other words, how many, you know, I like to say widgets, but in this case, how many car washes do they need to sell in order to break even? And um, turns out uh, they're very profitable businesses. 
in spite of the fact that it is also a very high cost to, to get these things running because most of the equipment actually has uh, redundant duplicate uh, pieces so that it, it never really is able to go down. You don't want the wash, you know, the vacuums or whatever, all that stuff to go down. So that does uh, increase the the cost of, of that. On, and then on the other hand, um, quite a nice uh, bonus. De- depreciation is also, uh, you know, a nice perk to investing in these things because this equipment uh, being what it is can be depreciated pretty rapidly. Um, so I, I, I would say, Unit economics, I'd say uh, the, the the balance sheet and the the quality of the business that is the underlying asset, the underlying tenant of this real estate. And so how much debt at a corporate level does that tenant have? Uh, not to be confused with the debt on the real estate level. Those are two very different um, you know, types of debt. Uh, who's the operator? How many locations do they have? How fast are they growing? Um, what is this location? You know, how much competition does this location have? You know, th- things like that um, from a business standpoint, just try to understand uh, who's this business and will they continue to be successful at this location if we, cho- if we choose to decide to, to invest in that with them? Some good questions to think about asking the operator, right? When they're uh, looking at properties like this, uh, you know, and, and maybe, um, I don't know. I was just thinking through what else the investor needs to know thinking about different asset classes or like triple net uh, that they are maybe not be as familiar with, right? Like car washes. Uh, Are there other asset classes? I mean, within triple net or other types of properties like that, that, that we may not hear of much that, uh, that y'all are looking into. Yes. I would say I would add uh, cold storage is another example of an asset class that isn't really talked about as much. And, and what we're talking about is real simply just like a big industrial building that happens to be nearly frozen, it frozen or nearly frozen on the inside. And so there are, with the growing trend in uh, CPGs, consumer process go- uh, packaged goods out on the market, these CPG companies are basically desperate to find places to be able to store their, their cold products. And so they'll sign long-term triple net leases and uh, the numbers are fantastic. Really, really fantastic. So a client like that or a tenant would lease the entire building? It doesn't have to be the entire. They can, they can do a portion of it. You know, we can, we'll subdivide the space into multiple um, spaces. And, and, and also sometimes um, the tenant wants a third party to help with the packaging. Or maybe there's uh, a need, maybe it's more of like a seasonal need and they, you know, it's Christmas time or some holiday or something and they need. So um, with the cold storage business, having access to employees who can also help um, with whatever the logistical needs are. And there's usually quite a bit of logistical needs um, for these types of things. And then on top of that, I'll add a lot of a lot of the best cold storage facilities are located along rail. Because sometimes we're talking about some we're talking about some pretty large distribution needs, and so having access to rail really helps uh, the tenants be able to relocate or re, you know move their products around uh, on a timely matter. What you know, what's the uh, maybe the biggest risk you see as far as the the next twelve months in triple net or anything specific as far as what you you're forecasting? Uh, great question. Um, I think that. Interest rates is really just the big 
big question mark right now. I, I we're seeing deals, um, really good deals right now because it's harder for people to make sense of it because of the interest rates. We're approaching this um, in a lot of ways from an all equity standpoint. So we're not necessarily needing to borrow money that helps us get some deals done. We are anticipating, as a lot of people are, that rates will come back down. That will provide us an opportunity to either buy with debt or to refinance and pull the you know equity out of a deal. Um, but we're not necessarily banking on that literally and, and, and figuratively. And so um, I, I would say that's the uncertainty with interest rates. We're hopeful that they come back down. Uh, other than that, um, I, I think that the popularity of triple net investing has really risen, uh, especially in the against the when you compare it to like what's going on with a lot of multifamily and a lot of defaults and office as well. So uh, retail has really it, it it used to be that people thought that retail was dead because of Amazon. And it turns out that's not true. It's just that retail has pivoted. Retail is not um, so much like things that are competing with Amazon. It's more like services and restaurants and things that really can't be, you know, be replaced by Amazon. A lot of medical as well. I mean, you can't go get your teeth cleaned on Amazon.com, right? So um, there's not definitely a, a lot of not yeah. <laughs> uh, right a lot of a lot of things are changing but uh retail you know it's it's been honestly it's been just such a blessing to be able to uh to continue to grow and and help people invest in these types of projects ben what is a, w- a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours Oof, fun question um I, that you can apply to your so i wrote a book and I'm not trying to pitch the book right now, but I, I I wanted to basically share the lessons that I've been learning with a lot of people. And so I've been uh, writing this, uh, the writing the book process was was hard and then sharing it with people and, you know, just sharing education. I mean, I, I would I would say like one way you could do it is just share, share, share what you learn. I mean, you have your podcast, but for people that are listening, like those that you're learning lessons along the way as a, as a syndication investor, um, if you can boil that information down and share it with others and not really necessarily expect anything back, but it, it always does come back just being able to, to help share that wisdom that we've learned along the way. So um, I, I do quite a bit of mentoring. I do quite a bit of podcasting and um, but yeah, the, the, the book was definitely a, um, a, a game changer for me. What's your best source for meeting new investors right now? So um, a, lot, a lot of introductions, a lot of referrals, just being able to take care of people along the way. Um, LinkedIn, honestly, has been a big source. I, I started, uh, I had some friends encourage me to start um, sharing on LinkedIn, and that has really uh, expanded the uh, outreach that uh, that I've had coming on podcasts, you know, has really been a lot of fun ways to connect with people. Hey, I heard you on a podcast, da da da. And then finally, uh, I, I am still very actively attending investor conferences, and so being able to there, there really is no substitute for meeting someone face to face and sitting down, sharing a meal, and connecting on that way. And so th- those are really my favorite ways to to connect with investors. Are there a couple of conferences you'd recommend? I get to ask that all the time. 
Yeah, my um, two biggest ones are they're both invite only and require a real estate license. So I'll caveat that um, one is called the Society of Exchange Counselors, and they meet quarterly uh, in a different city around the country. And then there's another group called the National Council of Exchangers that meets in Vegas quarterly. And so it's uh, they're, they're small, like 100 to 120 people each. Um, and they're very, um, I'd say half the room or plus are people that are actual investors. They're there with money and they're very, they're not, you know, some people are like really like hiding about the fact about what they're trying to do and what they're looking for. This group has a, um, you know, with a very high integrity, very, um, um, private way of making sure that we can collaborate, work on deals together. And, th- and that really has been the best way for me to to connect and I've raised a lot of money that way. So I would say those, those are the two groups I'm most uh, involved in. What's your uh, best advice for passive investors right now? Um, I would say besides investing in triple net projects, I would say, look, look at a lot of deals. Um, I would say you'll start learning about what you like, what you don't like, what you're willing to be, take risk on. Um, I think that, you know, I, I've told people, look at 50 deals before you you know invest in your first deal. That might be a little excessive, maybe 20. Um, but you know, look at a lot of different uh, asset classes, um, look at different terms, and be willing to ask questions and be willing to be vulnerable and be willing to um, you know take your time. Don't be in a rush. What about uh, some important metrics that you track? Important metrics are definitely cash on cash returns. Uh, I think that's probably the what's most important because we like to structure our deals to pay out dividends right away versus IRR, internal rate of return, which is a very common metric, but really is based on the on an, an assumption on what an exit price is. And I think that's where a lot of people have gotten in, into a lot of trouble. And so I don't, you know, I'm not, we're going to look at what the exit price is going to be, but we're not really going to be basing our investment on that. It's going to be more on what kind of cash flow can we generate right away in a stable and consistent way. Uh, so I, I would say that. And then um, other metrics include just making sure that I'm communicating with my investors on a very regular basis. I think that's one of the the best feedback I can give someone that's in the syndication business is that you have your systems in place to be able to communicate uh, in good times and bad. And um, that's, that's something that we track pretty closely as well. What's uh, often enough or too often with your communication with your investors? Uh, It's quarterly is, is generally the, the mass communication. And then on a one-on-one basis uh, I'm probably speaking with, you know, 10 to 30 people a week, depending on the week. And so just constantly communicating, learning what their goals are, updating my CRM and, you know, helping out and as best I can along the way. What CRM are you using? Uh, We're using go high level. Would you recommend that? I would, I would. Yeah. It's been great. Uh, My team uh, can communicate through it properly. The only other one I've used extensively would be HubSpot, uh, which is obviously one of the, you know, they're both like industry leading uh, softwares, 
But other than that, I don't have a lot. I think there's just like so many different pros and cons and none of them are perfect. They, that's for sure. None of them are perfect, but the, the only one that works is the one you use. Right. So, so uh, I, I've heard of go high Amen. level, but I get asked that all the time as well. What CRM, what CRM and we're, we're using HubSpot um, and we've used it a long time, but, um, but yeah, that, uh, Got to get in there and use something to track those investor calls. I, I agree with you. That is a very important metric. Uh, but uh, Ben, how do you like to give back? Yeah, I, uh, I'm i involved in my community in a lot of different ways. Um, I'm Jewish and really proud to be able to bring community together. And so that's, that's a big way to do it. I'm on a national young leadership group. Uh, we travel around the world to visit some like I was just in uh, Latvia and Hungary back in March. And then um, in, in a couple of months, I'm going down to Buenos Aires to personally visit the areas and the programs where our local dollars are donated internationally. And so we get to make sure that our money is being put to, to good work. And and so that, that those are just some examples of, of ways that I like love to get back, love to mentor, love to teach, and um, especially about the subject of real estate syndication. Awesome. Ben, great to have you back on the show. And I, I'm honored that, uh, you know, you're going to start uh, co-hosting some shows uh, uh, as well. Looking forward to that and bringing your network, your expertise to the listeners uh, also. So uh, very grateful for that. And and just your time today going through you know, what is triple net at a high level, but then even diving into some strategies that you're implementing uh, to find projects that make sense. And sounds like um, some some really cool strategies as well. To have the secret sauce of of having the relationship with the tenant, uh, that's that's pretty incredible uh, to be able to do that and have that inside information. So uh, grateful for you sharing that uh, with us today. Uh, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and find your book. Yeah, Whitney, I'm, I'm very grateful as well for the opportunity to get to uh, guest host on your uh, incredible show. Uh, people can get a hold of me uh, through my website, which is roosterequity.com. Why Rooster? Well, my last name is Kogut, and not not the easiest name to spell. And Kogut is Polish for rooster, hence Rooster Equity. And so they can go there. They can also download my book there, uh, again, at roosterequity.com slash book. And uh, find me on all the socials, at Ben Kogut on LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. That's a wrap, Ben. Thank you. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 